Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Nine State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me once again, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing? Happy Halloween, Joe. Happy Halloween. Yeah, I was I was going to try to uh, to to pl- you know get incorporate some music and and be, and get all excited about it and all that, but uh, then I remembered. Um, yeah, we're recording this on Halloween, and everyone's going to listen to it on November first. So. Uh, that that seems yeah kind of... a day late and a dollar short as yeah, usual yeah, right as usual. <laughs> um, all right, and uh, you know you can of course uh, send questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail dot com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at nhhs sports. Uh, and I guess uh, I I didn't realize this, I but I updated this this week too. YouTube now you can also. Uh, uh, customize your your handle is what they're called they call it so youtube is also now uh at nhhs sports uh, you can listen to the show tuesday mornings throughout the football season at nh-highschoolsports.com and that of course will be true uh throughout the rest of the playoffs uh and into uh the the our wrap-ups at the end of the year we will be uh we'll be doing this every tuesday for uh probably for like another month or so right yeah i mean with the with this new uh yeah. Sort of postseason alignment. Uh, it's it's like a true second season. Yeah, almost. <laughs> uh, all right, but before we get into to too much else, uh, let me uh, take a moment to tell you about our sponsor. The presenting sponsor for the Ninth State Sports Show is Roger Howe of the Bean Group. The real estate market has cooled, just like the New England fall weather. Interest rates may have risen dramatically the last few months, and there could be more increases in the future. Many experts say we may never return to those historical low rates we've had over the last few years. Now is traditionally a slow time in real estate, heading into the holidays and winter. It's time to plan ahead for 2023. Take the time to connect with Roger Howe from The Bean Group. Whether you are a buyer or a seller, let Roger's many years of experience guide you with a plan on what your next next steps should be when the market heats back up after the first of the year. He knows your local market. Contact Roger at 800-450-7784 or 603-247-1583 or email him at roger.howe at beangroup.com. All right, well, um, we are, what, looking at at the playoffs coming up this weekend. But before, you know, before we get into all that, uh, we'll do kind of what we've usually do uh, with our recaps of, of games from the week before. And, of course, uh, we'll pick a, uh, a player and team of the week each uh, before we get into that. Uh, Mike, do you mind if I go first this week? Oh, please do. Because I, I got a player that, uh, that I really wanted to talk about, and, and I was texting you about uh, Friday as I was watching the game, at the game, um, just a, a tremendous performance in, in, I guess, what you would probably classify um, – as an upset, I, I don't know. I, I kind of thought that way. Uh, you know, looking at that Merrimack-Bedford game, um, you know, I, given what their their um, body of work was th- for both teams through the first eight weeks, I, I kind of thought uh, if I were picking that game, I would have picked Bedford. Um, and, of course, Merrimack came out and won that one uh, 24-21, uh, pretty much on the shoulders of, of senior uh, Romello Hyde. Uh, I had him for 47 carries. 268 yards and three touchdowns uh but and he also caught three passes for another 13 yards so uh you add all that up and um of merrick's merrimack's 71 plays on offense uh he had a hand in 50 of them which um i can't think of too many times that's happened you know outside of quarterbacks maybe uh too many times that's happened i also had them with uh with 17 uh rushing first downs and 21 overall in that game. Uh, they came out, and, and ran, Merrimack did, came out and ran a, like a hurry-up offense to start the game, uh, completely kind of threw Bedford's defense off. And then, you know, by the time that, that you know, Merrimack's trying to run clock and, 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 you know, shorten the game, Bedford's defense, I think, was so tired that, that Hyde was just, you know, it was taking two and three guys to bring him down at times. Uh, so Romello Hyde, that's my player of the week with for a uh, – just an outstanding performance in that that win over uh, Bedford. Yeah, great pick. I've got a lot of comments on that game, but uh, I know we're going to talk about the game in a little bit here. Is that correct? So. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll reserve some comments and some other shout outs uh, from that game. But uh, I, I 
that would have been my pick as well, Joe. But since you're the boss, you get you, you, <laughs> well, you get yeah, to call your. I did see it firsthand. I, I figured I, I, you know, I, I like. I, does that give me first dibs on that? Since I was, I was at that game. Yeah, right. absolutely. Uh, and you, you, uh, but you've got an interesting pick this too here, kind of, or pick this week too. And I, and I, I want to hear. It. I like it. Uh, so let's. What's your player of the week, or who is your player? Of the yeah, week? so I'm going to go uh, a little bit different this week. Um, something that we haven't done. A whole lot. I'm going to go with uh, offensive lineman from Pinkerton Academy, a junior left tackle named Joseph Pakowski. Um, you know, I, I've seen him play a little bit this year. I think I've seen Pinkerton three or four times this year, whether it between, uh, you know, video on YouTube or, or seeing a game live with you. And, uh, you know, Pinkerton always has very good offensive lines. But this guy really stood out. I mean, this was this was really a slugfest between Pinkerton and a, and a very very good Concord team, a Concord team that's been uh, very physical offensively and defensively this year. Um, but I'll tell you what, you know, Pinkerton ran the ball extraordinarily well. Jake Albert had 150 yards rushing in the first half. I think he was up near the the 200 yard mark by the time the the game was over. And then you had Yanako. Uh, getting a lot of tough yards between the tackles, but anytime Pinkerton needed yardage and there were many, many circumstances down in distance wise or sort of icing the game uh, at the end of the fourth quarter, um, they were running over left tackle uh, and, and that's Joseph Pakowski. And there were times where he was driving his guy, you know, seven, eight yards down the field at that point of the game. Um, so I, I just thought it was worth a mention. It's a it's a kid that I'd noticed several times this year already. I kind of had made note of him, and I think he's gotten better as the year has gone on. Quite honestly, I you know a couple games I saw were earlier in the season, and I watched him a little bit. I thought he was good, uh, but I thought he was raw. Um, he was not raw against Concord. He was good against Concord, and he was moving people out of the way, and he was making Yanako and Albert, who are already really good, look like superstars i mean just a great performance against a very very good conquered defense so that's my pick yeah i watched a little bit of that video uh not all of it yet um you know but but uh i guess i'll i'll piggyback off that for my team of the week uh and, and go with uh with pinkerton as a whole um you know not just that rushing performance uh you know from like you said from the line uh behind uh Pukowski there um but yanako and albert uh just piling up yards in that one and what kind of you know looked like a bit of a shootout at, at times um with with them going back and forth um you know each team scoring uh pretty much on every first half possession uh you know but but in the bigger picture um and this is probably why I'll, I'll, I'll I'm going with Pinkerton is that that's a win that um really you know I think gives uh not I mean it not only clinches presumably the four seed in division one for Pinkerton and while that doesn't come with a buy it does mean potentially two home playoff games you know in the first and second rounds um you know which is is a big deal I think you know having to having to go over there making other teams come over and play uh you know play at Pinkerton um you know I think that's a bigger deal and um you know just kind of gives them I I think a, a maybe a marquee win that really they hadn't had yet this season. Like I know they've got some good wins under their belts. Obviously that one against Wyndham turned out to be a big one, but that was all the way back in week one. Uh, and they had to hold on at late in that one. Um, you know, but I think this one over Concord really should give them a, a ton of confidence going into this, uh, into the playoffs this week. Yeah. I was going to say something similar about this win. I, I was going to say, you know, it was, I think everybody knew Pickerton was good, but it, it's, it's an interesting thing when you're a school like Pinkerton Academy or, uh, or Plymouth, um, you get, you get held to that higher standard, right? So you go out there and you have a game against, uh, Wyndham that is harder than it should have been to start the season. Right. And automatically, I think people like me and you, right. Who are in the press or whatever, like kind of like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're not going to be as good this year. What, you know, that should have been, uh, a, you know, a, a more decisive victory. Right, right. And then they got kind of ha- manhandled by Londonderry early this, earlier this season in the Mac Black game. And that even further maybe makes you say, oh, okay, right, you know, maybe they're, you know, a top third type of team, but not an elite type of team. 
But the last few weeks, they've, they've done some special things, right? I mean, I know they lost in that non-league game to Brockton, but Brockton's a powerhouse in Massachusetts, yeah. and they played strong in that game. And I've seen Concord three or four times this year, uh, and Concord's a very good football team. I mean, Pinkerton all but shut down. I mean, as best as anybody can, they all but shut down Ilya Bohema, you know, who's been – racking up, you know, two, three touchdowns a game, 150, 200 to 250 yards a game for Concord. Um, so p- the progression of Pinkerton and the development of Pinkerton has been really impressive um, this season. And I would imagine they have got to be on people's radar as one of the most dangerous teams in Division One right now. Yeah. All right. Well, who is uh, who did you have for your team of the week? So I'm going to go with the Portsmouth Oyster River Clipper Cats. Excellent. Um, they uh, they had what what I think most people would classify as an upset victory over Timberlane, um, a real defensive battle, fourteen to seven, on Friday night, um, and it was it was a pretty pretty close game through the entire game. But you know, really, I think the difference was Aiden Thomas, who is the uh, the Portsmouth Oyster River quarterback, had a really really great night. Um, but I think the the thing I really want to highlight here is Portsmouth's defense. Portsmouth's defense held Timberlane to just shy of 140 yards of total offense, and 65 of those yards came on a completion from Capetta from Capetta to Matt Williams. Um, so almost half of that production was in one play, wow. and. You and I both know how potent Timberlane's offense has been all season. Yeah, just look at, against look at last good week, defenses, right? right? I mean, against Exeter and um, some of these other teams that they've bested. I've seen Portsmouth once this year. I saw them play Spalding, and I remember telling you back during that that week how impressed I was with some of their players and with their defense in particular. Um, but I got to be honest, I didn't think I didn't think that they would perform like this against Timberlane. I mean, that's a huge feat. So. I think just total hats off to uh, Portsmouth Oyster River. Um, huge win. And if I'm not mistaken, Joe, that win kind of secures their – not only secures their spot, well, quote-unquote, because we don't have the official word yet, but <laughs> secures their spot for uh, a, a, a postseason play, but also kind of hurt Timberlane. Yeah, that um, that presumably drops Timberlane out of uh, the three seed, which uh, would have come with the first round by. And, right. uh, and which Exeter then moves up into. Uh, in the, in the, so it's first place in the East Conference. Uh, but yeah, right. You're right. By the yes. way, an Exeter team that three weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken, beat Timberlane head to head. No, I'm oh, sorry. Right. I have that opposite. Timberlane yeah. beat Exeter head to head. Right. Yeah. Exeter dropped back to back games there against Timberlane and, and Bedford. And it looked for sure that, you know, Timberlane was on such a roll. Um, right. You know, that, that it looked like that was that seed was theirs to wrap up. And then. The last two weeks, you know, they they go in and, and get into that overtime shootout with Dover, uh, you know, uh, in week eight, and then come out with a loss uh, to end the season. So, um, you know, it might be time. I don't want to say it's time to panic, uh, but certainly some things that that the Owls have to kind of take a look at this week to try to try to shore up before the playoffs start. Yeah, you always 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 hear in any sport about wanting to peak at the right time. Right. And you think about what I just said about Pickerton Academy, right? They seem to be peaking at the right time. You got to hope if you're a Timberlane fan that we're not past that hill already, um, and that Timberlane can can do some self reflection. And because uh, I mean, obviously that's an extremely talented team. They have a very very good defense, a very good running game, a you know a top tier quarterback. Um, you know, you got to figure they they can iron that out. But uh, they've got to take a look at themselves this week in practice and you know, get back to basics on a few things, probably. All right. Well, I want to get into, uh, like we said, a couple of the games from this past week. Um, You know, and and the one that, uh, like I said, the one I got to see firsthand Friday night, uh, which was uh, was a pretty, I mean, just aside from the, the result itself, I mean, an exciting game. Um, but I thought it was a pretty good crowd too. Uh, obviously it was Bedford's, um, senior night, you know, so, uh, lots of people there. Uh, the, the, uh, of course I, I can't, you know, not complain about this kind of thing, but parking situation was a nightmare. 
<laughs> for sure. I think everybody that went uh, took their own car. No one carpooled, uh, which is always yeah. fun. Um, you know, but great crowd, lots of um, engagement. And, you know, the, the Merrimack student section was uh, was ready to go. Like, they were loud and vocal. Um, for the most part, kept it, you know, respectable. Um, I don't know... Uh, Lots of baby powder being thrown in the air too. That was uh, I don't know if that's a normal thing or or what. But uh, at one point there was enough of it going around that the the announcer at Bedford co- uh, commented on how everyone was going to smell nice after the game. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, Joe, I gotta I gotta tell you, in all seriousness, right? I really think that that kind of thing, especially at, at a venue like Bedford, is really important. It's important if you can show up well as a visitor yeah. to Bedford. Because that is that's a pretty electric atmosphere. Um, their fans and their student section can be really into the game. Um, I remember being over there for a playoff game when I was with Hollis Brookline, and it was a game that we uh, no, it wasn't a playoff game. It was a regular season game. It was a game we lost fourteen to seven. And I remember one of their players. I can't remember the kid's name, but he was electric. He ended up moving to Texas and and being a um, a pretty good player yeah, down in Texas. I know who you're talking about, and I can't think of his name off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, he was like a kick returner, punt yeah, returner, yes. slot receiver yeah. type of guy, and he ripped off a big run down the uh, down the Bedford sideline, and it was like as he was running by the stands, the crowd all stood up as he was running by them and just this massive roar. And I remember all the little hairs like on my arms standing up being like, Oh crap. <laughs> you know, this kid ran down the sideline, but, uh, but again, it can, it can change the game. So the fact that Merrimack showed up and, and um, had a lot of spirit and a lot of force, you know, I was, I was watching your video online and all you could hear was like the crowd. It was like the crowd was just crushing behind you. Um, so that's awesome. That's high school football, man. It was uh, Mike Gardner was his name. Yes, Gardner. Thank you. <laughs> I could remember his first name. I couldn't remember his last name. They used to chant his name, Michael Gardner, yeah, like anytime yes. he was back for a punt return or something. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, we're not kicking to that kid. Not a chance. <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm sure that that uh, you know that that Bedford felt that way about about Romello Hyde after uh, after that game. Uh, but you know, at the same time. You know, I've seen Bedford three times this year, and, and I, I don't know if they're going to let me back because all three of those games have been Bedford losses. Um, but they just seem to, to have these moments where things just, you know, they, they break the wrong way for them. You know, they had um, a couple of, of turnovers, uh, one that they – that and then another one, uh, fumble that wasn't – probably should have been a turnover but wasn't. Uh, they also had a bit of bad luck where uh, on one of uh, – or in the first quarter – you know, they go to punt the ball, and, and Amer- the Merrimack punt returner, um, I don't have his name in front of me, but he signals for a fair catch and drops the ball. But the yes. the back judge was behind him and thought he caught the ball, so he blew his whistle. Right. Uh, I and, saw that. on Bedford, your you, yeah. you caught that on video, yes. and I was looking at it like, what are they talking about? Yeah, Bedford. Because your video was clear, right? I mean, it was yeah. like right looking at his face. Yeah. Um, it looked, you know, and looked like Bedford recovered that. Well, instead, so they ruled it an inadvertent whistle and replayed the down. And you know, this time the ball, you know, the, he doesn't field the kick. The ball gets down, and Merrimack takes over. I don't think they ended right. up scoring on that. Um, actually, I think they had a field goal blocked on that drive. Uh, you know, but instead, though, Bedford would have had the ball, I think, in Merrimack territory. Um, you know, with a little bit oh, of yes. momentum there. So it's, you know, there was that. Um, you know, there was a situation where Bedford was driving in the fourth quarter. Uh, looks like they're going to score. And, um, you know, uh, one of their backs, uh, Ledger Russell, was, was just was running with the ball. He picked up a couple yards. He ran over a couple of guys and then somehow got spun around. And I don't even know if anybody hit him, but the ball ended up coming flying out of his hand and went straight to a Merrimack player who caught it and started running it back. So, they you know, they turned the ball over on, a, on a, just a – fluky kind of play like that um you know then they they recovered an onside kick after making it 24 21 and it's kind of like oh boy here we go you know there's plenty, yeah. plenty of time left uh to you know to get down the field especially with the way they'd been then uh passing the ball late 
you know, and then a ball gets tipped and, and intercepted by Owen Sadowski, and that's that's the game. Um, you know, so, I mean, just, you know, it's one of those, it's like just a little bit of luck or a little bit of better ball security, and, and Bedford's probably in a much better spot in that game, maybe even winning it. Um, but the thing that really stood out is, is just the way that Merrimack just kind of ran over Bedford's uh, defensive front throughout that game. Not something I was expecting to see, uh, and and not something I had seen before. Uh, but but you had a, a you know the kind of clued in on some of those guys, and and maybe not quite as a surprising um, as as we think. You know that they're that Merrimack's line has been pretty pretty good for most of the year and pretty consistent. Yeah, I, yeah. Let me. I'll, I'll say a couple things. I I, I watched. Uh, you know, as I said, I watched I watched your film. Um, and I, I thought that Merrimack's offensive line absolutely dominated up front against Bedford. And I, I was not expecting that. Now, I think I said back in week one or two that I was pretty impressed with Merrimack's line, what I had seen from them. Um, I think I had seen some film, um, from the, the game that they played out of state, uh, against Bonnie Eagle. And I had seen a little bit of other film on them. And I, I, I was impressed with them, but I've been really impressed with Bedford's front this year. I thought that they played really well against uh, against BG's offense, for example, who has a pretty good offensive line. But there were times where Hyde was getting the ball. And, I mean, he didn't run much off tackle. He was almost all, you know, kind of like B-gap to B-gap, guard to guard type stuff. And they were just driving. I mean, there were times where he had gained three, four, sometimes even five yards before he had run up the back of his offensive lineman. Wow. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah. And so, you, you know, you've got um, that crew was anchored by Jason Duke at center. Um, the left tackle is Zach Rizawi, I think, if I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, you can send a note to Joe. Let him know <laughs> I didn't pronounce it right. <laughs> Don't send the note to me because uh, you got Reese Lopez at the left guard, right guard, Kyle Dunn and right tackle Adam Brennick. I mean, those guys were just doing man's work out there. Um, unbelievable. And I think the other comment that I would make on that, Joe, because I, I, I do find it really interesting, especially as kind of a, a, you know, as you are, right? I'm a fan of the history of a lot of these teams, right? Um, this is not how Merrimack has gotten work done. No, absolutely in, not. In, in the Kip Jackson era maybe in many eras for now, right? Uh, going back even further, I mean, they've had some really, really good running backs in years past, but they have been committed to balance and throwing the ball and, you know, using as much of their, their skill players as possible. I, I don't remember the last time ever, and I coached there for nine years, I don't remember the last time ever Merrimack gave the ball to one single kid how many snaps did you say he got? How, how many touches did he get? 50 total, 47 of those. Yeah, I, I, I mean, and that so, is absolutely the antithesis of what Merrimack's identity, offensive identity, has been over the past five, six years, uh, regardless of the talent that they've had at that position. And I think it's a credit to, to Merrimack to say, hey, you know what? We're going to do something different this week and because this is a big game for us. It's a team that we've never beaten before. Uh, and, and also, the, to your point earlier, Joe, when Merrimack has lost this game in the past, it's, it, in a lot of cases, it's because things haven't kind of flowed their way, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's a good right? They've been good games, you know, some better than others, but they've been really good games. And it's been that kind of a game for Merrimack. So I think, it, I think it was just a really interesting game from that, the history of this short rivalries, short but intense rivalries perspective, that Merrimack sort of won, went against type. And two, uh, the the flow of the game, and I don't know whether it was, it, was, it was a result of that or not, but the flow of the game and the way things broke is sort of the opposite of how it typically has been for a Merrimack Bedford game. So pretty pretty interesting. Well, I'll uh, and and since we're talking about it now, um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll announce this. Uh, we got we got a bit of, of uh, well, it's breaking news in the moment, but by the time everyone's listening to this, it's it's old hat. Uh, we've got tournament brackets uh, finally been posted. Uh, on the uh, NHIA website, so we can we can say with uh, complete assurance here that that win uh, got Merrimack a home playoff game, uh, as they are now the eighth seed in Division One, and uh, and they'll be hosting uh, your team of the week, uh, Portsmouth Oyster River, who's the nine seed, 
uh, yeah. in, in this weekend's uh, playoff games. Uh, as of right now, those are all scheduled for Saturday, but um, you know, a, a, teams do have the window again to, or the option again to move those to Friday night. Uh, which uh, oh my God! Please move some of them to Friday night. Absolutely. I'm begging you. Yes, <laughs> not you, Joe. I'm saying I'm saying that out to the general football community and anybody I mean, that listens to this. It doesn't even it doesn't <laughs> do just, not play all these games on one day. Don't do that to us. Just move one one game. It only has to be one game to Friday. Yeah, night. even if it's just one. <laughs> I'll make a couple calls. I'll see what we can do. Uh, but yeah, so so the uh, the brackets for all four divisions are out. Uh, we'll, I don't think we're going to give a complete rundown of everything, or maybe we will, uh, but we'll kind of sprinkle in some of those matchups as we talk about uh, some stuff from last week. Uh, but any, any final thoughts on that game uh, before we uh, jump to uh, some others? No, I think it was another one of those these classic Merrimack-Bedford games. Uh, congratulations to the Tomahawks for having it break their way finally. It's a, it was a big win. I think they've got a good football team. I really do. I think they've flown below the radar for a long time. I'm sure Coach Jackson and Coach Lilly and the group over there are going to be irritated with me saying that uh, I, I don't think they can be – they're not going to be below the radar anymore. This was a huge signature win for <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I wish them luck. But, but hey, Portsmouth Oyster River coming to town next week. We saw what they just did to a very, very good uh, – you know, nearly a three-seed and, and earning a bye Timberlane team. Um, you know, it'll be an interesting matchup. All right. Well, we well, let's let's get into these a little bit more then, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, uh, Londonderry, uh, Nashua North, and, and Exeter are your top three seeds in that order, so they all get first round buys. Uh, Bedford, that loss actually dropped them down to tenth, uh, so they are the ten seed going to play at Wyndham um, this week. Wyndham getting the seven seed after having uh, this past week off. Uh, Timberlane, they drop to the sixth seed. Uh, they'll be hosting uh, number 11, Concord, in their uh, first-round game. And then you've got uh, Pinkerton at number four, hosting number 13, Spalding, and Bishop Girton, number five, hosting number 12, Dover. So some uh, some interesting matchups. And, and if I'm... I think I'm correct on this. I don't think any of these teams played each other during the regular season, these first-round matchups. I, I was just going to say that I was going to say you know are there any common matchups to lean on here no. for from a history perspective because I don't recognize any uh, just checking real quick yeah I, I the only one I thought maybe was conquered Timberland but no they didn't play each other um, so yeah that's that's gonna make for an interesting opening weekend I guess another one of those like well you know it, it, it's it's funny because I think a few weeks ago we you know we'd mentioned that it opens up, you know, this this change in format opens up a potential for a rematch in the championship game, which there never used to be under the previous format. Uh, and it may be the case, but now you've got uh, all these teams that haven't played each other playing in the first round. Uh, definitely interesting. And you know what? Just looking over this real quick, uh, with the exception of a potential Timberlane-Exeter game in, in the quarterfinals and a potential... North Bedford game in the quarterfinals. The next round is going to be the same, um, you know, unless unless Spalding and Dover both pull off upsets. Uh, I think it's going to be the same kind of thing in the in the quarterfinals. I love it. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. Like, well, let me let me qualify that by saying I love it. The, the, but the one thing I will miss is there's always always that cool intrigue around the rematch. Right. 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 Especially if it was a close game or if it was. Uh, a rivalry game or something like that, right? Like you kind of love that. Okay. You know, this team narrowly escaped this other team, you know, in week seven and now they're going to rematch. Right. And you, you know, we always say kind of like what would happen if those teams played each other, you know, 10 times, right. Would it be a 50, 50 split? Would it have been a nine out of 10 kind of thing? And so you do lose a little bit of that, but like I said, I love that this means that it's almost like uh, an extension of the season. Right. Yes, it's a playoff game, but you're you're still in uncharted territory in terms of having to, um, you know, scout out the the tendencies and personnel of a team that you're not familiar with and things like that. I just think I think it's exciting. You know, I think the other thing that that maybe is uh, is definitely will be different. But excuse me, how many times did you, you know, when when you had those matchups, you know, you look at at the the one versus four game on each side of Division One. 
and you kind of knew, you know, I mean, I think with the exception of 2019 when Merrimack upset Nashua North when, when Curtis Harris Lopez was hurt, uh, yep. that might have been, I think, every other one of those 1-4 matchups that the one seed uh, won that game. So there was, a lot, and a lot of times I think those were pretty one-sided games. Um, you know, so I, I'm, it's actually, now that I think about it, I think there might've been a year where Pinkerton did the same thing, beat Londonderry in one of those matchups, but they were like separated by like a game in the standings. And, and I think Pinkerton had won during the regular season too. Uh, so it didn't, you know, you went into a lot of those knowing what, or having a pretty good idea of what the outcome was going to be. So yeah, this does add a little bit more intrigue to that first round makes, makes it a little more unpredictable, which is always fun. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I just, I just think there's, there's more uncertainty, uh, you know, on paper, quote unquote, right? There's always uncertainty. Any, anybody can win, as we, as we saw this week, right? But um, I, I think it does create a little bit more drama um, and a little bit more uncertainty. You know, you, you're not going to say like, ah, yeah, you know, the, the, the one versus four game kind of, eh, maybe I'll go to the two versus three. That one's a little bit more, you know. Right. I mean, here, yeah. there's a lot more variability in terms of what could happen. Absolutely. Uh... So, um, yeah, so we, like we said, those, that's Division One. Um, I think let's see, you want to chat about Division II's uh, set up right now, too? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Well, I, I, guess, I guess any talk of, of the Division II playoffs, uh, we have to kind of explain maybe some tiebreakers because, you know, you got the, the one-versus-eight game is Guilford-Belmont against St. Thomas. And if you follow the standings, uh, closely, you'll note that uh, St. Thomas finished four and five, and there's a team that's not in the playoffs in Milford that is five and four. They both have the same football rating at seven point seven 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 eight. They get that right, three sevens and an eight. Yeah. Um, so they're tied. They, according to the the NHIA handbook, that's a tie for the last playoff spot in Division Two. So then the tiebreakers you go to head to head. Well, they didn't play. Uh, rating system, they're tied. So then you go to the p- football point rating against division opponents that are in the tournament, including ties for last place. Well, Milford didn't beat anybody. Of those five wins, none of them came against tournament teams. St. Thomas uh, had a win over Kennett, which is in the tournament. So that's why St. Thomas ends up getting that last playoff spot, despite having one less win than Milford. Uh, the, you know, the... the the spots are determined by the point rating, and then within that, the tiebreaker is their football rating against teams in the tournament. So uh, that gives us St. Yep. Thomas as the eight seed, and Milford, unfortunately, on the outside looking in. So yeah, Guilford-Belmont, St. Thomas, the 1-8 game, which is a rematch of a game from this past week. Uh, you got Kennett, the number five, going to play number four, Sauhegan. Uh, number seven, Plymouth, going to play number two, Pelham which is an interesting matchup because if I remember correctly, they played, uh, I think, in the quarterfinals in 2019 with P- Plymouth as the sixth seed and Pelham as the three, and Plymouth went to Pelham and upset them. Uh, so they get to do that again. And then 3-6, yep. you got Bow number three, Hanover number six. Those are your quarterfinals for Division II. Uh, as of right now, games are all scheduled for Saturday. Uh, but uh, that could change as uh, both Sauhegan and Pelham have lights at their field, so those could be end up being Friday night games. We don't know yet, uh, but uh, you know, keep an eye out in case you're wanting to go to any of those. That that might change. Yeah, and hey, let's 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 take a moment to recognize Gilbert Belmont. I mean, that's a relatively new program. How many years have they been varsity, Joe? Uh, I'm not entirely sure they, they've been a co-op for a little while I, Guilford was on its own in division three I think before um you know when when this new when the, the three division format first came in they were solo in division three and then they added Belmont and moved up but they they've right. they've had struggled early on and it's been the last couple of years that they've started building up uh I think they were I want to say they were a playoff team last year too uh, but nothing kind of like it's been a while since they've had a record like this, and and when they did, I think it was as Guilford in a lower division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know they're they haven't faced um, 
Sauhegan or um, Pelham yet. But they, they had a, a really good quality win over the number three team, which is Bo, you know, a decisive win. Um, and, and again, to be undefeated in, in that uh, division and to be the number one seed, that's pretty special for a team that's, I would guess, probably the young, easily the youngest team out of that field, right? I mean, no question. I mean, probably by at least a decade or, or, or several decades, right? These are well-established programs, St. Thomas, Plymouth, Sauhegan, Bo. Um, I just think it's hats off time for them. You know, that's, that's great. I, I, uh, they have a very talented team. Um, you know, we, we had talked about how they had been a little bit down lately, but this week they came right back out to play again, kind of a, are you peaking at the right time sort of thing? Um, you know, should be an interesting little run here. And then, I, I think I think it's true that the winner of that game plays the winner of the Kenneth Sauhegan right. game. Yes, that is true. Um, so, you know, I I I, uh, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to tip my hat any which way. But I mean, I I just think a Guilford Belmont Sauhegan matchup would be extremely intriguing. Yeah, that would definitely be interesting, um, and it would be at at Guilford. Um, you know, so that would be. Uh, a change there too, you know, just Sauhegan going up there to, to play on grass. Um, yep. Yeah, an interesting matchup. And then, yeah, the other side too. Um, like I said, that uh, Pelham Plymouth, uh, you know, I like I said, I believe a couple of years ago, Plymouth upset Pelham in that game. Uh, and then Bo Hanover is another interesting one too. Again, I think um, in all these games, teams outside of the Guilford uh, and St. Thomas, uh, teams that didn't play each other. Um, during the regular season. So kind of all we got to go off of is, well, you beat this team and you beat that team, and that means, you know, this. And, and I think that's, uh, again, a, a fun situation to have. Yeah. Yeah, the Bo Hanover game is interesting, too, because it's two very similar styles, right? They run guard-to-guard, straight downhill, very good offensive lines, very good run defenses. They're, they're going to try to get the – they're going to try to get things done with power football, um, so that'll, that'll sort of be like the, uh, you know, a, a, a good heavyweight fight, so to speak. A game that could be over, uh, in, in about, uh, an hour and 45 minutes, you're saying. Right, exactly. <laughs> so if you got a lot to do on Saturday afternoon and you want to check out a game, maybe go to that one and then you'll still have some time before the sun sets to, I don't know, maybe rig some leaves or something. Right. No, no clock stoppages at all. No incomplete passes. No guys running out of bounds because they don't run wide very much. <laughs> um, you know, and, and you know, to wrap up the regular season in in the division, I, you know, you had, um, you know, Plymouth or excuse me, Pelham, uh, Pelham Hanover was probably the big game in terms of matchups. Um, you know, Pelham with a forty nine to thirteen win at Hanover there. You know, and and, and kind of. You know, we went through, I think, a lot of the year kind of wondering where Pelham, not not where Pelham was, but how would they match up with Sauhegan and Hanover because those two were their last two games of the season. You know, you throw Milford in there too. They they played them uh, in their last home game three weeks ago. Uh, you know, because a lot of Pelham's wins came against teams that were struggling a little bit this year. Um, you know, and... and what a great job by them to finish out the year by going to Sauhegan, going to Hanover to get wins to wrap up the number two seed in the division and, and another undefeated uh, uh, regular season there. You know, and that, that kind of yeah. sets up the potential um, division one and division two. You know, if things, if the chalk uh, holds form, you'll end up with two championship games with undefeated teams. Yeah, and I think Bellum is very capable of doing it. I mean, Again, you could look at their earlier resume and say, yeah, you know, I don't know if they've played anybody and, you know, they're just moving up. But, man, I'm going to tell you, I've seen I've seen Hanover and Sauhegan live. I've seen them on film a little bit. And those are really, really good football teams. Those are good football teams regardless of division. Um, and, and Pelham beating both of those teams uh, bang, bang like this the last couple weeks. And also, I, I do think... I think the factor that you got to think about is is sort of what you were just talking about, which is it's not like Pelham has been through a gauntlet of tough games and they've been battle hardened. So the fact that they were able to end the season on two road trips to two very good football teams and come away with victories like that, 
tells me how good they really are. Right. You know, I mean, that that's impressive because it's hard to win on the road anyway. It's hard to beat teams that are that good. But you've done it after you haven't really been tested too much during the, the, the course of the regular season. And now you've got to go through that, you know, week eight and nine or whatever it was, seven, eight. I forget how many weeks we were playing here. But <laughs> it, it, it just it just puts an exclamation point on how good they really are, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so those are your, your Division Two matchups. Uh, I want to take a look at Division Three. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, again, Divisions Three and Four with just uh, four teams in the playoffs from each. Uh, in Division Three, the matchups will be number four, Interlakes Moultonboro, at number one, Trinity, and number three, Campbell, at number two, Monadnock. Uh, I, you know, and, and I think most of the season we kind of had a feeling that, that the top three there was going to be that, uh, and that last spot would come down to whoever kind of won out between Interlakes, Stevens, and Fall Mountain, and you know, Interlakes. Uh, you know, again, we we every game counts, right? They beat Stevens in the season opener, and wouldn't you know, they finished six and three. Stevens finishes at five and four. And Interlakes gets that fourth spot uh, in the playoffs. So congrats to them. I think this is their f- first uh, first playoff appearance in a couple of years, if I'm not mistaken. I'll, I'll have to look that up. But um, I feel like it's been a little while since they've been in the postseason. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, um, you know, they were good for a while. In fact, they had won the championship at one point I, I can't i don't even know if it was in this particular setup it might have been in it and yeah i think it's going further back yeah yeah it had been in a previous uh you know whether whether it was the four division setup or the six division setup but i i know they had, they've won a title um i i think within the decade um had been had been really good that year but you know, it's interesting, the, the, the Monadnock-Campbell rematch is kind of, you know, earlier I, had, I was talking about how interesting it is that in Division One you're not getting any rematches and none of that, uh, you know, that sort of uh, intrigue and, and uh, you know, gearing up for revenge against a, a previous loss and all that kind of stuff. You know, we had talked back in, um, you know, it was probably three or four weeks ago about the Monadnock-Campbell game that Monadnock won like handily, right? I think it was 52 right. to eight. Um, so, right, yeah. you know, and we know Campbell's a good football team. So you got to wonder how that one's going to break this time. I think, I don't think that you're safe to assume given that Campbell's only losses are to Trinity and Monadnock, and they've been pretty decisive in every other game this season, putting up huge points and holding their other opponents to, you know, uh, I would say an average of like maybe nine to 10 points a game Campbell's a good football team um obviously Monadnock's a good football team but that 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 should be a really cool matchup because you got to figure Campbell will be highly motivated to play well in that game given what happened uh four weeks ago yeah that was one of the first games too uh you know I know we talked about it at the time that um um Jack Lorenz from from Monadnock was had gone from the offensive line into the backfield uh, right. And was just smashing kids in that game. Um, so, I mean, that Campbell will have uh, certainly have the film from that and probably some other games to go back and look at. Uh, and uh, so I did want to I want to backtrack a minute here um, just to uh, to finish that thought on uh, Interlakes. Uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, uh, this is their first playoff appearance since 2017, which was the last year with just three divisions. Um so they, ah, okay. yeah, they were a playoff team that year at uh, at four and four. Yeah, and so congratulations to them. I mean, obviously they have a a tall task in front of them to play a Trinity team that has been, uh, you know, nothing short of dominant. Right. Um, yeah, they lost to Trinity. You know, they're undefeated. They they've only given up what forty something points, yeah. points all season. Yeah. Um, and they've been in double digits in all games, except for interestingly, Kearsarge, where they well, won was, seven to nothing. Was, uh, oh no, that was a um, that was a forfeit, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So there you go. Right. So yeah, they've got a tall order against a very talented, very tough Trinity team. But uh, 
But congratulations on them for being back. And like I said, hey, you know, anything can happen in these matchups. Well, yeah, and, you know, in that game, um, you know, Trinity won 35 nothing in week two. Um, you know, so that was a long time ago in, in terms of football season. So, you know, so right. I'm sure that, that uh, I mean, both teams, you got to assume, have gotten a little bit better since then. So, um, you know, but maybe Interlakes can make some adjustments, keep it a little bit closer. We'll see. But yep. that, those are your uh, Division Three matchups, of course. Uh, those will be semi or yeah semifinal games on Saturday. Um, of course, both schools, Trinity and Monadnock, do have lights, so I guess there is the potential to move those to Friday. Although I, I don't know if they'll be doing that with any semifinal games um, like they will for the early rounds in Divisions One and Two. Uh, but in Division Four. Our four team playoff teams, the matchups are number four, Raymond, at number one, Summersworth. And in the other game, you've got number three, Bishop Brady, at number two, Newport. Which uh, I, I think, you know, as you were saying, uh, a lot of ground to be made up for, for Interlakes to try to, and to and Campbell to, to try to uh, change those outcomes from the regular season. I'd say the same for Summersworth or for Bishop Brady and for Raymond in in their playoff matchups, uh, because both um, drop pretty one-sided games to to the higher seeds during the regular season. Yeah, I was going to say the the Raymond um, Summersworth story is very similar to the Interlakes Trinity story in Division Three. You know, would seemingly be on paper. Um, you know, a, a pretty pretty decisive edge on the summer Summersworth side, given, you know, again, they've only given up, what, 30 or 40 points all season, and they've, I think the lowest point total Summersworth has scored against an opponent was 35 points against Newport, by the way. Right. <laughs> um, other, otherwise, Summersworth has just rolled this year. Uh, um, well, they played... Uh... They played all three of the other playoff teams in consecutive weeks, Newport, Raymond, and then Bishop Brady, and beat the three of them by a combined score of 137-7. to Right. That's pretty impressive. I would say that the Hilltoppers are a heavy favorite uh, to win the D4 uh, championship this year. Yeah, I'll agree. I mean, there's still still a little bit of talking and walking before then. Absolutely, but, of course, um, yeah, yeah. They they do. But yeah, but math doesn't play. lie, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yes. Pretty uh, impressive season for Summers were. You know, for for Newport, that's been the only game. You know, they gave up 35 points in that game. No one scored more than 20 on them uh, the rest of the year, and that's the only game that they've been held under uh, 35 points. You know, so. Yeah, and Newport has had, a, a, you know, tr- obviously, traditionally a really good program over there. I think I mentioned a couple of years ago when they won the title um, how unbelievably impressed I was with what I had seen of them in terms of just how physical they were. They, you know, they had gone over and beaten up on Monadnock. And how many times do you hear anybody utter, hey, some yeah. team just beat up on Monadnock? And I'm right. talking about physically beat up. I mean, that is not what happens <laughs> to Monadnock, right? You might beat Monadnock, but you don't physically take it to them. I mean, Newport has been a, a really strong program over the past several years. Um, so I, I still think that there's some intrigue if that matchup should materialize there. It's a, that, that's a good little rivalry. Absolutely. All right. Well, those, uh, those are the playoff matchups uh, for this weekend. And again, uh, they, you know, there could be some changes in, t- in terms of start times and maybe move, moves to Friday. Uh, we'll see. I'll try to keep you updated on as much of that you know, as, as we hear it as the week goes on. Certainly, uh, check out the website uh, nh-highschoolsports.com to uh, to get more information on that. I, I, you know, that would probably be the place that'd be updating it first. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I won't ask you, Mike, to tell us where you're where you might be going this weekend, and I'm I'm not going to tell you either because I'm not really sure yet. It'll all depend on when these games get moved around. But hopefully, we'll have yeah. Some that would soon. be my honest answer. You know, there's there's a couple of these games that I'm really interested in. I don't know if. Uh, Geographically, they're mo- they're the most convenient things for me coming from New Boston to to, to figure some of those out. But I I don't know that I care either. I, I think I want to see a really good game, Absolutely. so it, it might be worth making a trip somewhere to to do that. I I really do hope that they that some of the schools decide to play uh, on a Friday night. So I I would love to be able to see a couple games this weekend and uh, and and get out there. Right, it's my first weekend not doing coaching my sons. Um, so I'm totally free and, and I have no, you know, no encumberments or anything like that. So 
uh, selfishly, I want to see as much football <laughs> as I can. I, you know what? I'm I'm on board with that. You know, I, they, you, on the one hand, too, like with the playoffs going an extra week in Division One, you know, it's like okay, an, ex, an extra week to the season here. But on the other hand, it's like okay, well, an ex, that means an extra week of football. Like I, I right, I, let's I, go I, see I, some I, games. You take, know, yeah, take the opportunity to catch another game. Uh, you know, looking at the uh, the forecast real quick for this weekend, um, at least in in the Nashua area, we're talking uh, uh, 66 for the high on Friday, 47 for the low, and uh, 71 on Saturday uh, for the high, 48 for the low. Uh, little to no chance of rain both days. Just sounds like a oh man, I'm smiling uh, ear to ear right now. Another tremendous. Uh, <laughs> that is music to my ears. Yeah. So, so that I, I think that helps too. Maybe moving some of these games to Friday is that the weather's not going to be uh, your typical first weekend in November. So that's always right. a plus. But uh, all right. Well, so, coaches and athletic directors, if you're <laughs> listening to this, this is our sales pitch. It's going to be a beautiful night on Friday. You know, more people will show up and pay more at the gate. Come on now. <laughs> Absolutely. Because everybody yes. won't be just having to pick on Saturday. You know, so so make the right decision here. <laughs> Move some of these games to Friday. Uh, hopefully that hope that hopefully we convince them. <laughs> hey, if you don't fall for that extremely good sales pitch that I just made, yeah. I, I don't know what's going to help. Yeah, we can't help you. All right. Well, any uh, any last thoughts before we wrap up for this week? No, you know what? I I think honestly, I think it's been a great regular season. Um, I, I've I've found a lot of these games to be really exciting this year. It feels like there's not as many runaway teams this year. Um, and, and you know, I mean, obviously, I think we just talked about Division three and four. Okay, that, that's that's been a little runaway, but I I think Division one and two has been uh, a lot closer than it has been the last couple of years. And frankly, I'm glad that this season has been almost almost entirely quote normal, right? Without <laughs> yeah. the pandemic restrictions and you know uh, you know a ton of last minute cancellations. I know we had. Um, you know, a, a, a tragic situation with the Hudson community over at Alvern. But um, I'm, I'm glad that we have also been able to return to some normalcy this year. And it was really fun seeing all these teams and all these kids almost in the entirety get to play their full schedules and go out and compete after working so hard. It was just great. Hats off to everybody. Yeah, it definitely, um, definitely has felt back to normal. And, and uh, yeah, it's great to not find out Friday morning that the game you were planning on going to isn't happening. Right. Yeah, for us, and, and I'm sure even more so for the, the, the players and the coaches, right? Yeah. I mean, just that's got to be painful. Right. So so happy that it worked out so much closer to normal this year. It just felt right. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, Mike, thanks again for joining me. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Always have fun. He is Mike Lockman. I'm Joe Marcellina. Uh, enjoy the playoff games this weekend, and we'll uh, be back next week to talk about them.